Welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast with your host, Michael Sherlock. We all have potential, but sometimes we need inspiration to get us to our peak performance. Whether you are starting out in your career, ready to move up the corporate ladder, or taking the leap into entrepreneurship, Michael's guests provide powerful tools and resources to shock your potential. Shock Your Potential is a global professional development training company committed to your unique journey. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and download our free Shock Your Potential app today. Listen in to today's expert. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. I am your host, Michael Sherlock, and all month long, we're talking about something that is important to all of us, and that is about community and how together we can better care for our communities. And all my guests this month are giving us incredibly different perspectives to think about community and the impact we have. And my guest today is going to spark us uh, on a lot of interesting dialogues. I can't wait to learn from her. Darylise Lyons is a journalist, an actor, and an activist. She's written more than two dozen full-length books, a handful of short stories, and countless articles performed in various plays and an improv comedy show. So, you know, you know, she's kind of uh, lazy. She doesn't do too much. (laughs) Totally not true. I can't even keep up with her. She's a member of the National Association of Black Journalists, and she was a summa cum laude graduate of NYU with a double major in English. Can you imagine that with all those books and publications and religious studies and a minor in history? She's written an award-winning children's book called I'm Mixed, which was about embracing her multi-ethnic heritage. And through that, she found her passion and her purpose, educating others about the need to embrace all aspects of ourselves. Gosh, so important for us. She also went on to create the Demystifying Diversity podcast and to write the book, Demystifying Diversity, Embracing Our Shared Humanity. So if you want to talk about a reason to talk about our communities, there it is. She works tirelessly, tireless, it's easy for me to say, she works really hard <laughs> as a full-time DEI expert and inclusivity strategist. So Daryl thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much. You brought my bio to life. I feel like we can just sign off right now. And I'm like, okay, so we're, we're done. People know all there is to know about me. And my life. <laughs> I love bios. I feel like I've, it's almost like I cultivate them because when I read them, I'm like, you know, sometimes I get them and they're pages long and I'm always trying to find all the pieces. And I'm like, this is all fascinating. I need to say the whole thing. <laughs> but I think it's so important to see what we know it makes each one of us stand out. So I love it. It was a great bio to have. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. And I love this concept of, of shocking your potential. I mean, I think it's uh, just, yeah, really, really needed today, you know, and always, but especially right now, it feels like we do really want to just wake up, you know, and and yeah, (laughs) shake society into a deeper level of consciousness. So, yeah. And I agree. And I think that, you know, right before we started taping, I'm like, this is the time. I mean, there, it's always a good time to talk about diversity and inclusivity, but I feel like today now, like the world is ready to have better discussions, um, more honest discussions. I hope, I hope it continues. So I hit the highlights of your bio though. Tell us a little bit more about what you do and how what you do helps shape our communities. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what I do today that I love, that lights me up, that I think actually gives value back to the community is I do a lot of work on the Demystifying Diversity podcast. And that sounds like it's just a podcast, but it's so much bigger than that. So um, what that entails is I sit down with, I've now sat down with several hundred people uh, to interview them about topics pertaining to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, We run trainings and developmental workshops. I do one-on-one coaching for top-level executives around um, sort of supporting them and being able to better see the potential of their teams and better manage organizations and sort of uh, increase the need for recruitment um, that is diverse and sort of maximize the existing diversity within an organization. So I I do a lot of that. And then I I do a lot of writing about, um, you know, about just like things that bringing stories and voices to the forefront that I think sometimes are silenced and um, unheard and really sharing those stories to my audience and because it because their their stories are important um, and also I think the more that we hear diverse stories the more we realize that experiences are very very different and at the end of the day as human beings we all have the same like spectrum of human emotions and the same general wants and goals in terms of self-actualization and caring about the people that we care about and wanting to um, kind of like make sure that our loved ones are safe and, and those kinds of things. It really, I, I feel like the work that I do um, is deeply individual and yet all of it, all of it occurs within the context of the individual in society and the various communities that we're members of and like how to kind of take it all as a gestalt and, and work to support individuals in being who they are, but also recognize that we're all part of various communal ecosystems. And um, there's no way for those ecosystems to thrive without supporting the individuals and thriving in the fullness of their identity. So I feel like that's a very long answer, but I get super jazzed about this stuff. And I could I could have delivered a 10 minute monologue. So I hope that just gave a little bit of a taste of what I do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, so many, I was taking a lot of notes as you were talking. Um, and it, I love how you said our experiences are very different, but and I'm paraphrasing, but our basic emotions are the same, you know, our basic wants and needs, you know, to, to feel appreciated, to love, to feel safe, to, you know, love others, to, you know, have opportunity. Um, But the way we experience the world is very different. And those differences make um, good or bad. They make up who we are and they make up the way we, we see the world. But until you recognize that other people see the world and view the world differently, it's not always just about the color of your skin or your um, your religious upbringing or the region of the country you were raised in. It's about the differences of way we all live and experience life. Right. And I think that one of the problems with lack of diversity is that it makes it so that we don't question the paradigms that we're operating in. So for example, you know, like gender, I think is a great one to talk about, right? Like that people have these very fixed ideas about gender and what gender is supposed to be and and how they're supposed to express 
themselves and until gaining exposure to the fact that actually like there are a multitude of gender identities and um, there's a multitude of different ways that a certain gender identity can express itself without the ability to question that women would still be barefoot and pregnant right like I mean I wouldn't be able to do the work that I'm able to do there would still be um feelings around acceptable toys for certain you know children and stuff. And I, I just think that it is that exposure to the fluidity of interpretation and experience that has allowed um, more freedom for people of all genders to really question like, well, who am I and what resonates with me and what do I, you know, and how do I want to express myself? And so that's just one example, but there are so, so many examples of things that like family, let's say, right? Like different cultures sort of define family differently. And there's family of choice versus family of origin or family of yeah. biology and, and just different ways that we can think about, you know, families that are kind of created in different ways and family systems. And, and I think exposure to different ways of navigating family or, or partnership or gender or, you know, culture or looking at religion. I mean, it's so... I think people often think about doing diversity work is for those people over there, right? Like, oh yeah, like I'm going to just learn more about those people over there. And what I have found is that the more exposure that we gain to difference, the more it allows us as individuals to question like, oh, well, what are my real beliefs? What are my value systems? What, how, what are the ways that I'm being oppressed, whether by myself or by my society? And then how do I, like, how can I be a liberated individual within the context of community and then also create safe spaces for those in my life. So it's, I, I think diversity is super exciting and people should be invested in it, not just for those people over there, but for, for themselves. Well, that's a really great way to look at it. It's, it's, it's about finding the new levels of yourself and appreciating them and figuring out how they play out in the world as well, or whether or not you're right, we see ourselves in a box because that's how we were. I, when you were talking, I don't know why I had this thought, but this thought popped in my head about gender reveal parties when people are pregnant. And so it's a big deal. And we, you know, blow up things and we have balloons that explode and all these things. And it comes down to pink or blue. And I'm like, that is such a limiting belief, even on a child that you know, yes, okay, I get it, it's girl or boy, but nobody thinks about the fact that the pink and the blue actually was a marketing strategy long ago that had nothing to do about whether or not it really identified a male or a female, yet we subscribe to it and we keep propagating these things and then we fall into the same paths all over instead of saying, hey, how about let's just say we're having a baby. <laughs> right, yeah, and getting to meet that person like, and just... Yeah fall in love with that person and let that person tell us who they are rather than us telling them who we think they're supposed to be, which is really hard. I think, cause as people, we want to just super like, it's so much easier. I think, well, the, the narrative is right. Is that it's so much easier if we put people into boxes and we understand who someone is. And my experience is, is that doing that is so limiting and really, um, you know, you talk about shock your potential. I think it really limits human potential to, but have all of these biases and misconceptions in advance about who someone is, how they're supposed to show up, what they're capable of, what colors they're allowed to wear, like what, you know, whatever it is, it's just like, 
really? (laughs) Why? You know, why, why is any of that relevant or character defining or or determining? And I, I, I think, I think we owe it to ourselves and to future generations to really do better and just get so much more curious and so much less fixed in our ideas. Yeah, I agree. And it's funny, even with my hair color, you know, we were talking about when, uh, when you changed to, to this top, because I was like, Oh, look, we matched to my hair and your shirt. Um, but I have so many people that, that will say, Oh, I'd love your hair. I could never do that. And I'm like, why? Well, cause my employer won't have it, or it's not professional enough in my environment or whatever. And I remember when I first started doing it, it was just really something that actually was very personal to me just to do, to kind of embrace a new side of my life, call it a midlife crisis or what you want. But I always say to people, why, why, why can't you do that? I'm not saying you have to, you don't have to have crazy colorful hair like I do, but question why you say to yourself, I can't, because that word I can't means there's some other limiting belief you've put on yourself or that somebody else is putting on you. But if we don't question them, we can't change them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I also think that, um, like so many people feel limited by certain rules and certain um, cultural norms. Like a lot of times, and I'm an entrepreneur, I know you're an entrepreneur, right? And so in some ways the rules don't apply to us, but a lot of times when I go into these corporate settings or in corporate scenarios, I will have individual interviews with different people and they'll talk about like, yeah, I feel so limited by this aspect of this corporation that I work at. And the next person will say, I feel so limited by such and such. And the next person will say, I feel so limited by such and such. And they might all be pointing to different things within that organization. (laughs) But I realized like, oh my goodness, everyone feels limited. And who is it that's establishing these rules? And sometimes there really actually isn't a rule in the handbook that says you can't have purple, blue hair, or you can't like, you know, whatever it is, wear overalls to work or whatever someone thinks that they can't do. Um, But it's it's this introjected sense of, oh, other people will judge me if I do this. And I have personally found that sometimes when I'm able to break through that, not always, because sometimes there are external circumstances that are keeping us in in our narrow boxes. But sometimes when, when one person is courageous enough or two people are courageous enough to step outside of those boxes, everyone else in the environment is like, oh, I've been waiting for someone to do this. Okay, cool. Like I'm going to go with my green hair now or whatever. I'm going to just whatever it is that they've been itching to do. And, and sometimes, you know, people will leave environments because they blame the environment for keeping them stuck and restricted, go to new environments and realize like, oh, actually I still feel just as constricted here. And so I really kind of encourage people to yes, create the safety in your community, but also be willing to ask questions. You know, if I wanted to dye my hair purple and I was working at an organization, I might actually go to someone and say, hey, I want to dye my hair purple. Like what are the rules around that? And just investigate it. That sometimes sometimes we actually can give ourselves full permission and the communities we're a part of have given us permission, but it's just never been explicitly stated. And so we feel like it's not okay to be self-expressed. 
Right. Exactly. Or even just like a new idea. Like I have a new idea for a program or way we should do something or how we should deal with customers. And you're right. There's people who say, well, I couldn't share that. That's not my job. Somebody else would get mad, get upset. But, you know, I think a lot of what you're saying about, you know, looking at diversity in in ourselves as well is that permission to ask the question, hey, I've got a great idea. Who do I take it to? You know, (laughs) hey, I've noticed something that could benefit our company, um, save us money, get us new clients, make up, you know, have a better customer satisfaction score. But those things take your recognizing um, that, uh, that you do have power try and take it. Not every environment's going to be open to it, but many are. And I think many more than people recognize. Totally. And I remember I interviewed an an executive for next season's episode. This person does strategy consulting and she's a white ally. and And she said something that really stood out to me. She said, you know, have you ever seen a homogenous group of people make a decision? And I was like, yeah, I think I have. And she's like, well, they come to a consensus, a really bad consensus really quickly. And I was like, yeah, that is so true. And so I think that This idea that somehow being a disruptor is going to be a negative thing. I mean, when even when I worked in corporate America, my role was often to say, um, well, have you all thought about this? Because I don't I don't really think that's going to work or, you know, okay, yeah, we can do this, but then it's not going to have this accessibility or it's not going to be this or that. And I actually I. I was really succeeding and excelling in a professional context, at least on the outside, you know, inside, I I wasn't comfortable in that environment. I didn't enjoy it, but I got a lot of accolades and a lot of career respect from being the voice in the room that would ask the difficult questions that would say, you know, I really see it a different way. And and so in that way, I, I, I feel like at least in, in those environments, it was, um, it was kind of an asset, but often people will look at it as a liability to be different. And I don't see it that way at all. I see it as sort of a, you know, it, it depends on the environment that you're in, because at times it can feel like a liability for sure. And at times it can make you very unsafe, but at other times and in other situations, it's actually probably the greatest asset to be an independent thinker and to not um, just fall into what the status quo is. Yeah. And I, I talk a lot about, you know, in personal branding for individuals in their career, you know, what are the words that people use about you when you're not in the room? And it's a great thing to be able to say, Daryl is the one that asks the tough questions. She's the one who's not afraid to say, yeah, but, you know, those are the things that, that make you stand out and become known, even though it might feel uncomfortable, at least in the beginning. It doesn't, I always like to say to people, you don't have to be a jerk. You don't go, hey, I think that's the idea sucks. But if you're like, hey, I'm gonna be the voice of reason here for a minute, or let me play devil's advocate or whatever, the, that those things can be highly competitive um, assets for you when you lean into them. Well, and you said something that I want to just dismantle a myth because you said, uh, Michael, you know, not afraid to ask the difficult questions. I am probably terrified every day of my life. I work in diversity. I sit down with strangers. I ask them to tell me about their pain. Often I don't share their identities. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm worried I'm going to be culturally insensitive or, you know, that like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm terrified. Um, but I think there is a belief sometimes that people have that like, 
oh, wow, that person has such courage. You know, they're doing the things I could never do. They're saying the things I could never say. They're dyeing their hair away. I could never dye my hair, whatever it is. And I don't, I actually think that fear is a natural human response and fear of being different and going against the grain is something that most of us are going to experience even while we're being different and going against the grain. I just see that I, I like for some reason, I have a bigger sense of purpose and meaning and connection to other people and a desire to, to pave the way for a better tomorrow that I'm willing to take that, that step. Um, but it doesn't, you know, the fear doesn't go away. It has lessened over time for sure. As I've had more and more positive experiences with being a person who's willing to be a disruptor and willing to ask the tough questions. But yeah, I mean, if someone is sitting there thinking, you know, I can't wait until the day when I'm not afraid. And I take those big leaps. It's like, (laughs) no, 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 you're gonna like, take those big leaps, be afraid, take them anyway. Um, and your life will get better. Well, I don't even want to say better. It'll get more authentic. Your life will get more authentic. The people in your circle will get more authentic. You'll feel better about yourself at the end of the day. You won't feel like you sort of like left anything undone. Um, so yeah, but I, I would, I would encourage people to be fearful, not fearless, you know, be fearful because if you're fearless, the chances are you're probably operating within your same old comfort zone, right? Like you just, there's no, yeah. So Yeah. yeah, be be fearful, do it anyway. <laughs> I like it. I love it. I actually love it. Okay, well, we're going to take a break, Darlise, and we're going to hear from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Top Dog Learning Group, LLC, is a leadership, change management, and diversity inclusion consulting firm based in Orlando, Florida, but with top doggers, aka consultants, throughout North America and beyond. They focus on training programs, both virtual and face-to-face, keynotes and lunch and learns, group and one-on-one coaching, and off-the-shelf solutions. One such solution is their masterclass on the top three strategies to be resilient in times of change. This thoughtful self-paced online training will guide you through three tactics you can use immediately, not just to survive, but to thrive when change comes at you. Use the code RESIL50OFF for 50% off the program. Just go to bit.ly forward slash 3A5MLS6 and enter the code RESIL50OFF in all capitals to redeem your 50% off coupon. The link and code will be available in our show notes as well for easy access. Learn more today at topdoglearning.learningworlds.com. And we are back with Darylise Lyons and we are talking all things demystifying and we're also talking about disruption, which I love. Hey, and I want to make sure we get a plug for your book so that those people who are uh, watching the video version, let us see uh, your latest book. Demystifying Diversity. Yes. For those who are on audio, it's called Demystifying Diversity, Embracing Our Shared Humanity. And it's by me, Dara Lee Lyons. And um, what I love about the book is that even though I wrote it, uh, it combines a lot of different stories around a theme. So it's not, you know, basically I took a lot of the interviews that I did from season one of the podcast and I interwove real stories, you know, stories of suffering, stories of resilience, stories of how people dealt with certain issues. And then there's a practical element to it so that people who are reading can start to apply 
the skills, the resources, the tools, um, you know, expand their network, look beyond their biases, um, interrogate the things that are holding them back. I mean, it really, it really is meant um, to be to take it from information to application. So I, I, I feel very passionate about the book and it's, it, I wrote it, but it's, I'm, I appear very little in it. It's really all about sort of amplifying those stories of people who have experienced like such, such a vast array of what it is to be human. And they talk to me about it. So that, let me take that another step you know, farther, because I mean, you've already given us some of the answers, but you know, if we really take a conscious approach to demystifying diversity, what can that mean? Not only just for us individually, but what can that mean for our communities? Yeah. So the first answer that I have to your question is that I love that you said communities, because most of us have a number of different identities and also belong to a number of different communities. And I think that just that knowledge in and of itself opens us up to the richness of our own complex and interconnected sort of social matrix, right? Like that, um, and I'll just give an example. So I interviewed someone who was um, active in the civil rights movement and also active in the gay liberation movement, mm-hmm. um, you know, and as a queer person of color, would experience, um, you know, homophobia as part of the civil rights movement that they were a part of, and as a um, as a person of color would experience racism in the uh, you know movement for queer activism and gay liberation, right? And so, like, I think just this awareness that as people we can belong to multiple communities and want to feel embraced as all of who we are in those multiple communities and deserve to feel embraced and invited in the fullness of who we are into those communities. I mean, I think just that realization in and of itself can be hugely empowering for people. Um, But also, you know, like I, I believe that it's helpful to give what we want to get, right. And to get what we want to give. And so without the acknowledgement that I personally want to feel safe and embraced and loved for the fullness of who I am and do the work to be able to do that, then I can't really even acknowledge that that is a need in other people. And so I can't meet them as they are until I learn to meet myself as I am. And so I, I see this sort of diversity within ourselves and this embracing of our self um, as a microcosm of the macrocosm and what we should be doing for all of our society. But I think until people get aware of the fact that like, no matter who you are, you actually have a number of complex identities and experiences. Um, And that's across the board. It doesn't matter what you're like, what identity you claim or what one takes precedence or whatever. Like you're a vast person, you know, every person is vast. And so I think just beginning to explore that for ourselves creates, hopefully creates a little bit of an awareness that like, oh, if I'm a vast person, other people must be as well. And then we're able to kind of find those areas of overlap and intersection with people that we might perceive to be very different from ourselves. You know, like I, I might not realize that um, someone else who I judge a certain way when we're meeting on uh, on the first occasion, like maybe they're also a child of a single parent, right? But if I don't 
think about them as a rich person. I just see, you know, what I see. I'm not going to be able to connect with them on, on that level. I'm not going to be able to connect with them. Like maybe they're also a creative person or they love to read or we have certain musical tastes in common. I mean, it doesn't, I, I think there's always, there's always something that is there that is different between you and someone else. And there's always something that is there that is similar or the same or overlapping. And I, I just would encourage people to, you know, kind of, yeah, just look at us all as these beautiful, unique human fingerprints, but all very, very similar um, as well at the end of the day. I love that approach of realizing it's not just about, you know, first impressions with people, but it's about that sense of what that first impression may tell us that we think is all inclusive of that person. But back to your point of, you know, we all sit in many different communities, musician, poet, writer, uh, you know, creative chef, uh, you know, activist, you know, we have so many adopted child, you know, all these different things that until we get to know somebody, even just this much more, a slightly bit more, we only see certain things in the beginning. And that, that, uh, I guess the, the impetus to just stop and say, okay, I'm just going to experience this person in the moment, but I'm not going to make a full decision about them because I only know this one moment. It takes, I think that can really give us more grace with others, but more grace with ourselves because we're only who we are in that moment because we might screw something up, say something wrong, do something stupid, but that isn't all inclusive of who we are, just might be inclusive of us, of us in that moment. Right. And most people have an experience of being misjudged, right? Like having someone misjudge your intentions, misjudge your capacities misjudge, you know, something about, about who you are. And, um, and it's always painful to be on the receiving end of that. And yet most yeah. of us are walking around misjudging people all the time. I include myself in that, you know, I, yeah. and, and, and kind of putting a ceiling on the potential of other people that yeah. just because like some of the most meaningful human interactions I have had have been with people who think very differently than I think, um, or who have been through different experiences than me. And because of that, I have been enlightened by our interactions because they have shown me things that I couldn't, I could not possibly know based on my own views, based on my own experiences without having been exposed to something that they've talked to me about or that they've been willing to share about themselves, um, or even just the way that they think, like I'm a sort of fast, like paced person. I'm a type A personality. And sometimes I'll be talking to someone and they, they just talk a little slower, you know, and they're a little more meditating, you know, I don't know. They're like more chill. And I know. And I'm like, come on, come on, come on. (laughs) And I'll ask them, you know, like, so, so tell me more about, I, I, I was interviewing someone and he said, you know, most people like to lead with talking, but I like to lead with listening. And I thought, oh my gosh, if I could just learn, like, I mean, I listen for a living, but it does not come naturally to me. I much prefer Michael to be on the receipt. Like I much prefer to be the one in- being interviewed than doing the interviewing. Cause I always think like, oh my, I'm thinking about my thought, you know, I'm not thinking about what you just said and being interviewed by, or interviewing someone who is the opposite of that and being able to talk to them about like, well, why are you so curious about other people? You know, like what, how can you meet them? It has taught me to be a better interviewer. It's taught me to slow down and pay attention to what people are saying and what they're not saying. And those 
the spaces and the pauses. I don't like silence. So I always want to fill it, but being able to talk to people that are like, yeah, sometimes I need a moment just to collect my thoughts before being able to articulate something. And, and then like implementing that into my strategies of conversation and, and allowing for that silence and having someone bust out with gold just because I gave them 10 seconds of silence or whatever. I mean, it has changed my ability to do not only the work that I do, but do this business of life differently. Um, so I really encourage people to, um, to, to be curious about like, learning from difference as opposed to rejecting difference. Absolutely. And you learn it more by asking questions and listening to what the response is <laughs> instead of yeah. making our own assumptions. Exactly. Or at least I think you and I could talk for like 17 hours and we still wouldn't have enough to say. <laughs> yeah, totally. We'd have still not enough to say. We still could have so much to say. We couldn't, uh, we couldn't even stop. I know we're going to have all your contact information on the show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, and especially your book, what's the best way for them to find you? Yeah, so there's two ways. They can go to either daraleeslyons.com, that's D-A-R-A-L-Y-S-E-L-Y-O-N-S.com, or demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com. And on there, there's, you know, social media links, there's the contact form to connect with me. And so, yeah, I would say go to daraleeslyons.com or demystifyingdiversitypodcast.com. And you'll find everything about me that there is to know. Oh, I like it. (laughs) Well, before we go, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? Yeah, I I, I mean, (laughs) no, no, I was just trying to think of something that would be, you know, sort of a a perfect mixture of depth and, and without the corniness, but I don't think I've achieved it. So I'll give you something that is both deep and corny because that's the best I can do. But I think, um, yeah, just like really do be yourself, like really, you know, just be yourself. Um, and then also create the opportunities for others to be the same. And, you know, I say that like, it's a one-time event, but I think it's a daily practice. Like, how can I be, how can I be more of myself today? You know, how can I show up more authentically in this particular conversation, you know, and then also, how can I allow for the people in my life to be themselves? Like, you know, and just even just starting at home, like, okay, is my spouse, does my spouse feel like they can talk to me about what's going on for them? Do my, you know, do my kids, do my parents, do my siblings, do my friends, you know, feel like they can bring all of themselves to me? And if not, you know, what do I need to change within myself in order to create that safety? I think if more of us kind of led with listening and led with love, uh, the world would be a much, much better place. I agree. We had uh, an entire um, episode or a, a series in the month of February called Lead with Love. So I was like, that you would have been perfect for that one too. It's a whole concept. I love it. <laughs> Lise, it has been an absolute pleasure. It is, I just really enjoyed talking to you today. Thank you so much for being our guest and sharing all your wisdom with us. Oh, thank you so much, Michael. I really, really appreciate it. And the time just flew and I'm so grateful to have been able to share it with you and with your listeners and viewers. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Shock Your Potential podcast. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com including details on Michael's two best-selling books. Tell me more, how to ask the right questions and get the most out of your employees, and Sales Mixology, why the most potent sales and customer experiences follow a recipe for success. 
make sure to check out our Shock Your Potential app, on-demand professional training resources to help you excel in your career. And as always, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and like us today.